0: My thoughts are fried from the rule five. I thought more teams were apt to buy. I guess they don't want to be really creative with their 26th guy. I think I'll cry because I had hopes for several of them. Now it's time for Rob and Ty to discuss these other guys that were picked. It's time for dingers, it's time for dingers, yeah, yeah,
1: it's time for dingers, it's time for dingers. Yeah
2: Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Fernando Tatis Jr. that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight-up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this morning, it's Robbie Baseball. What's happened to Robbie? Are we into the coffee this morning,
0: or are we moved on already? Oh, absolutely. It's coffee talk, if anybody remembers the skit from SNL. Yeah, coffee talk. Uh, That was Mike Myers. But uh, no, it's too early. And sadly, I'm out of Bailey's. So it's just coffee. And I am trying something fun and exciting, which is coconut milk instead of um, dairy milk. So I don't even touch the milk. I leave no room for the additives. I get straight black. We're like five minutes away from the Baden coffee company, which is a pretty big supplier of coffee in the area. And they roast their own beans and do all their funs. So, well, not their own beans. You know, they're not, they're probably Guatemalan beans, but um, anyway, yeah, they, uh, they do a really good job and we just pop a little bit of uh, coconut milk in and that's it. Cause we watched the Netflix documentary game changers. Have you seen that? No, Basi- no, basically about being vegan and some of the potential benefits. Now it's not like, you know, right down the middle, you can obviously, cut one side or the other meat versus non-meat but um one of the big thing from it was that you get uh, more stiffies um and <laughs> and they can potentially be thicker and that was from three college level athletes who are all based no wait two baseball players and one football player from some big schools that did it, it was a really interesting documentary for anybody who's got some time to to kill doesn't mean you're gonna um stop with um your diet or anything but for us my wife was interested in just trying to cut down so i said hey i I got a good idea let's cut down on the dairy and coffees so here we are
2: how about you uh
0: (laughs) i'm i'm we had a a christmas party
2: at our house last night so we are on water and we're in recovery (laughs) mode hydrate hydrate (laughs) yes (laughs) i gotta try i'm flying to san diego this afternoon so I uh, go after yourself. I I need to get some water (laughs) in me before. um, Yeah, we're we're heading for the winter meetings. They were last week, so (laughs) flights
0: were so much cheaper this week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Anyways, let's let's dive right in. I think it would be um, silly for me not to brag about my. Big trade this week, and why I mentioned Fernando Tatis Jr. off the hop because uh, I now own him in every league that I am in, which makes me extremely happy. I'm a big Fernando Tatis Jr. guy. I've said it multiple times before that I think he is on the Hanley Ramirez prime kind of track. I think he's that type of player. I think he, I'm surprised more people aren't comparing him to Hanley because I think they're very similar.
0: They might be afraid to because of the career trajectory. That might beat something. In terms of how good Tatis is going to be? Yeah, well, just like because Hanley declined and then wasn't good at his position. And like I'm just talking the uh, career arc of Hanley was like yeah. up, up, up. And then it stabilized for a shorter period of time because he was at such a peak and then went down. But I don't disagree. Like I I loved your trade. I'm just uh, I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, Cause I thought it was just something else, but it, um, yeah, we've seen a lot of trades going on in lots of different leagues. And I just found out from one of the leagues that I'm uh, in, that's a, oops, that's a bigger league, but I'm not a commissioner. The weirdest thing was our commissioner, as soon as the season was over said, I'm waiting until everybody pays before I open up trading. And that's a good thing to do because you don't want basically a dead team. And then somebody stuck trying to sort it out. Well, what ended up happening was he opened trading up and then sent an email midweek that said, there's still four teams that are waiting to pay and two of them have now left. So I now need two new teams, which I thought really sucks for those guys. And in our league, um, or the ones that I'm a commissioner in, the whole point is we don't open it up until we pay. And um, we have, have been open for a little while in the points league. And my goodness, I feel like your trade has been the trade of the off season in a season that has had many impactful trades yours. I like the most. So do you want me to read off who you got? And then we'll, we'll talk about who you sent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Then I can brag about it.
0: Yeah. So the headliner is Tatis Jr. Coming back. This is a contract league, but realistically the contracts aren't overwhelming in this part of it. It's definitely an aspect for you, but Tatis, uh, Samarja, Eric Swanson, Ryan Stanek and Tyler Chatwood went to ty's team and he gave up the headliner here being josh donaldson and then uh, paul DeYoung, jordan Groshans, brian mata and sam travis so ty's team is trying to win and is now in a much better position to do so and the team that he traded with enjoys playing fantasy baseball
2: <laughs> well i i you know i don't think it's that bad of a trade i i think you it's know, a really
0: fun trade
2: like, yeah, I, there's I lots I, there's lots to it. I just don't think the value is as is lopsided as people think it is. Um I think people are underestimating DeYoung's value in a points league. He was surprisingly uh valuable last year. I think he will be more valuable this year than he was last. I agree. Um I think he'll carry some of his uh production over the full length of the year where last year he kind of peaked early, then kind of dipped and then kind of came back towards the end, but uh Groshans you know, for all intents and purposes, is probably the key piece going the other way, I think, in, in terms of success. Um, Sam Travis was just a roster dump. Brian Mata is is, for me, one of the most underrated pitching prospects out there right now. Like, he's higher up in Boston system, and then everybody just assumes, because the rest of Boston system's garbage, that Matt, I can't be that good, but I disagree. I think he's a pretty good up and coming guy. That's probably ETA 2020, 2021. Um, So I think there's some value because of that. And then Donaldson's in there and, you know, I wouldn't have traded Donaldson if I wasn't getting value coming back, but I have depth at third. I've got Moncada starting there and then I've got uh, Chevy who will on all likelihood pick up third, third base eligibility at some point this year. Um, So I had room to deal a Donaldson who, you know, and the other part of it for me, I Donaldson still scares me. I love Donaldson. I'm the biggest Donaldson fan you'll find. But the age thing still scares me. And when I'm trying to win, really didn't
0: want to anchor my team to that. And it's nice. So this is a salary leagues with contracts. So there's, there's a lot of things where, you know, Donaldson cost, um, whatever his contract was, he 15 ish million, something like that.
2: Yeah. Something like that. 14, five, I
0: think. And Tatis was only a million for this year and then it will go to two and four and eight. But the bigger thing is that a lot of different parts went. So if you look at how you should be building in fantasy, you basically traded your current and future third base because you've you feel like you're covered there with Makata and that's a really smart move. I just, I really like how your roster shapes up now and the guy that traded Tatis, I know for a fact is certainly not done because he has, I think he's got Manny Machado and is, he either has a, maybe he maybe has a pitcher and he's already for some reason announced that he's trading him for Manny Machado. So yeah. he's he's got the shortstop third base area covered for himself now too. So, Everybody looks better in this trade as the teams shape up. But um, one thing that we've found this offseason is that every time there's a trade where you see kind of big name guys go, especially if there are inexpensive players and expensive players changing teams because of that um, contract, people just get upset as if like it's jealousy, right? They're not in on the deal. Therefore, they don't like it. And yeah. and everybody was really quiet on your trade. The, the people that were complaining were saying, why wouldn't you just auction them off or tell everybody in the group chat? Well, that's the dumbest thing ever. Because then, if I'm Utah, if if I say let's make a big trade or something impactful, and we're getting the bones together, and then you go off in the group chat and say, "Hey, I'm looking at selling player A," uh, I'd be like, "Okay, well, I guess we're done then," because I'm not going to yeah, be exactly. your backup plan. Like, I yeah. I would rather not have what I, whoever that player is. There are twenty nine other teams, and if you are deciding that you're just going to go for the best offer, that's fine. I wanted to make a baseball trade though. And yeah. I love that like everybody's got so many opinions in our league specifically. And that's why we get to reference it a lot on the podcast because everybody's really active in it. Um, but for me, it it just makes it funny because guys are just basically like sour grapes, right? Oh man, I, I could have had to tease. Why didn't you say something? <laughs> you know, well, like- and, I, and
2: I think we, we talked about the value of Shamarza, you know, as just a staple of a guy, right? Like mm-hmm. he's not going to win you a championship. He's probably not going to lose you one, just that guy. Uh, he's been that guy since he got to San Francisco. He was probably that guy, you know, after his peak in Chicago. Um, but yeah, the reality like he, is... He was
0: great in Oakland, went to Chicago, goes out to San Francisco and kind of became a forgotten man.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think for me, I have to, the hidden gem of this trade, as much as Tatis is really good, I really like Stanek and Swanson in this trade. Um, right. I think Stanek's going to close in Miami this year whether he starts the season or finishes the season as the closer, I think he's going to be in that conversation.
0: I've if, got an interesting rule 5 guy that might be taking that job in Miami. Well,
2: assuming assuming that, you know, they don't sign somebody else. I think Stanic's going to be at the very least in that back end role. Um yeah. I I think he was a, the you know kind of the the uh what's the opener guy in right. Tampa Bay yeah. and his value got hidden um, but I do think he's going to pick up some huge value with some of that end-of-game stats for next season. So I like him. And I think people are sleeping on Swanson. Everybody looked at his stats last year and said, oh, he was a terrible starter, therefore he can never start. And I think that's the position that everyone has right now. And I think he goes back into the rotation
0: um, at some point. He might Seattle's not start also the better out. this year, right? Like Seattle defensively is now a better team than they were when Swanson came up and surprised people last year.
2: Yeah. And and I think it was this was the case of a guy that got sent to the pros too early. Yeah. So I think given a little bit more time to develop, I think the bullpen would have been good for him. I mean, look at the back end of this rotation. Like the the projection on MLB.com right now is Marco Gonzalez one. Yuki Kikuchi is uh um, two. two. And then after that there's it's just full of question marks because yeah. justice Sheffield as much as he's probably going to be in the conversation is by no means a lock to be in that rotation.
0: I can't um, imagine they want him to start the year because he did not fare well in triple a he did not fare well in MLB and he went down to double a to get himself together and I cannot see DePoto wanting to start Sheffield this year Um, just. Just because for the same reasons we see that big squad in Toronto and that squad in San Diego, you don't want to throw all of your cards up to the big leagues. You want to be able to hold a few back like Justin Dunn too.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, between Kendall Graveman, Justice Sheffield, you know, Justin Dunn and Swanson, like you had a ton of question marks there, but for me, I think Swanson's probably the most projectable of that group. And that's why I like him in this trade um, to be a sneaky guy that I picked up in that and,
0: and under control too, which I like. Yeah. And they don't have like Seattle at this point, because we're so early in the off season, they don't have anybody else, which I think is why roster resources basically plugged them in. And we all know that we've got like, um, Kirby and Logan Gilbert who are on the rise up and, you know, Kendall Graven, I think would be, it would be a success if he was able to pitch, like get into the rotation because he, has I think he missed all of 2019 and most of 2018 with injuries but the guy is 29 years old he's not done you know it's it's he's not Brandon Morrow where he like can't throw 40 innings without breaking down Graveman was fine in Oakland for a couple of years but he's got to come back and and I can't yeah like I just can't imagine Seattle would want to start with Dunn and Sheffield up on on a year like this when they're definitely not trying to compete now the offseason is still young and we've been looking um Kyle Seeger rumors uh because this contract isn't overwhelming. But something interesting that I saw was Kyle Seeger has two years left, I think at 40 million or 39 million. But if he's traded, there's an option, a club option year that if traded, automatically kicks in for the player. So it becomes a three year, fifty-four million dollar trade, which I think makes um Seeger a lot harder to trade because Seattle can't just eat that money. So I can see and, and also Seattle has no third baseman to come in. So I can see them just leaving Seager there, which means like a little bit more of a veteran mix with those young guys on the infield. And that should be good. Should make their defense good. So I don't know if Dunn's a big ground ball guy. I don't know if Sheffield's a big ground ball guy, but those are the kind of guys that they're going to want in Seattle anyway. Um, You know, everybody's trying to keep the ball down now. So, but anyway, speaking
2: of control though, let's go into control because we got a whole bunch of contracts that were signed uh, in the past week with winter meetings going on in San Diego uh, there was some fireworks, and I think everybody knows about Strasburg and Cole signing. You know, any quick thoughts there? I know your boy Stras. You know, might be the one guy that's a franchise player right now. Yeah, um, that was
0: what we talked about before. Was that I was so happy to see. contracts going to some guys who, when the contract is up, they might very happily be at a time to retire. They won't be at 34 and 35. Um, Strasburg and Cole will both be 38 when their contracts are up. Strasburg broke the record. Cole then, you know, supplanted him the next day. But it's so nice to see a team that kind of wants the legacy as bad as I'm sure the player does. Like Strasburg had sold his home in San Diego. So there was all this talk. Oh, he's going to go to San Diego. Well, realistically, that was probably never really on the table and with the numbers that he got just just ludicrous for what for what these guys yeah. are getting and the the term is the big thing now strasburg's got deferred money and i think it's in the first three years because that's what washington always does is they defer money so it helps out that he gets to stay in washington now and cole going to the yankees i, I mean really give or take whether that's a good or a bad thing the park is smaller his stuff is good um he's gonna probably decline, but we can't say that for certain like look at what verlander did you know right but here's yeah go ahead it's just it's really hard to say right now that cole doesn't get a little bump because he's moving from one really elite team where he had his second big year and going to another elite team that is on the rise whereas houston could be like peak uh i would say the yankees are still able to rise and still able to get better with their lineup
2: Yeah. And I don't disagree with that, but the, here's my thoughts. So, um, I I don't think Cole is as good as that contract. That's, that's my thing. Like if you look at his career stats, Mm -hmm. they're not overwhelming in terms of how good he was last season. Right. So I think the Yankees bought on what he's done last year, what his potential could be. Uh, and I, and as much as I would have loved to have Cole on my team, let's, uh, I think nine years is too much for a guy like this because the minute his velocity dips, his slider becomes less valuable. So the question is, can he maintain strength and, and health over that time period? Um, my biggest concern here is he's logged a ton of innings, right? You know, like you look at Strasburg and because Strasburg has had some injury plague season, the volume on his arm is much lower versus a Cole who hasn't had a ton of health problems. Right. So if you take that mixed with just some inconsistencies of, you know, how good some of his seasons have been, I I do think Yankee Stadium is going to hurt him. I'm with you. Like, I think playing in the AL East against Boston more often, it's going to hurt him. Right. The Jays are going to get better. It's going to hurt him. Right. He didn't
0: have to go up against another juggernaut in the AL West and when he was in Pittsburgh he was certainly up and down and that was the whole reason for that trade and everybody was like what's up with the return Pittsburgh got and then it was like well Cole could kind of be a bust and that was only what 3 years ago that we were saying yeah. like that we were I shouldn't say we we weren't saying it but that we were all hearing it because all of these amazing experts were unsure of exactly what was happening they just knew that Cole was really talented and it wasn't until they got to Houston, which we all know. Houston, as you had said, uh, Ty, they're the, the patriots of baseball. They're finding every way in which to gain a competitive advantage. And we'll have to see how that translate translates to him now being a Yankee. But, I mean, they weren't able to do it with a lot of pitchers. They've had success with a few, and everybody's highlighting that. Very similar to when, uh, what was it Searidge in Pittsburgh? You know, he, he turned a few guys into useful starting pitchers and um that's kind of the same thing that happened in houston but you know it doesn't mean it's going to translate when he leaves i'm not saying he's going to suck but yeah like i'm just glad the players are getting some of these guys are getting paid but as other people are already griping about yeah yeah you see the high-end guys getting paid it's the low-end guys but i think from the rest of our list you'll see that you know veterans are getting paid too just not absolutely nine years so um Quickly moving on to Didi, who signed for one year in Philly. Uh, He'll either be shortstop or could even go to second base. He's certainly a better shortstop option um, than, uh, oh my goodness, now I'm blanking on the name of the guy that was just traded from Seattle last year, Uh, Sagira. Uh, So he'll start either way. So you can kind of pencil in 500 at bats. Uh, assuming injuries are fine. He had a really underwhelming stat line last year, and the big reason was he did not play well at home, which is odd because he's been really good in Yankee Stadium. So uh, you don't know if that's something off the field or whatever, but he's out in New York. He's back with Girardi. It should all be good. I'm penciling him in as a top 12 shortstop in Dynasty. He's young enough that this one-year deal could easily be extended or could just land him in an even better spot next year, but man, that Philly lineup's looking good.
2: I, I think they're going to move uh, Segura to third. Uh, one of the most underrated, under the radar signings of the offseason was Josh Harrison, who missed all last season in Detroit. Right. That offseason uh, is also there in Philly. So I, I think DD is for sure going to take shortstop. I love watching him play shortstop because he has an absolute cannon. And it's just fun to watch him throw that pill across the infield. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be disappointing. But at the same time, that arm could also play at third. I just. I'm with you. I think he's a better uh, shortstop than Segura. And I think that's the way that plays out. Um, I, I, I put him in the same category as you. I think he's top 15. He's going to be, it's kind of like the Shamarza of shortstops. If that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> I give him a little bit more credit than that, but it's, that's okay. Um, and a less significant, but still good move. Gosman one year, 7 million bucks to San Francisco, helps uh, san francisco because they don't have starting pitchers and they have already said that their plan is to start him his line in atlanta last year uh era was what 616 something ridiculous like that his his underlying numbers were much better he had really Mm -hmm. bad um a really bad looking line though and you had already talked about him on a previous podcast how uh he would be somebody of use he's now going to a big ballpark they did this last year. They had three guys that all looked somewhat intriguing, uh, veteran signings, and they're doing it again because they don't have the pitching depth in the minors to immediately promote anybody. So, you know, again, you've got Beedy leading that rotation, even though I did <laughs> I did trade him in, in a league. I think I traded him in a league. Uh, and then and then you've got uh, the Shark, Cueto, Gosman, and then maybe Rodriguez. It, the nice part is that now it's not forced for San Francisco to have to make a bad decision or, or more bad signings. And they also took on Cozart, which was uh, a money dump for LA and the first round pick that they gave up again, I, I damn it. I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically LA wanted to get out from that contract. So they essentially paid with their first round pick and they lost all that bonus money for them. Um, but now the, uh, sorry, that freedom up for this big old, um, on deal so they've got themselves a third baseman, and the Angels lineup is looking Slick right now
2: yeah I still Think they're a starting pitcher away like um, At least maybe even Two so I, I, I'm with You though they're, they're a healthy one for sure Yeah for sure I mean like, they had well, obviously An you know, unfortunate loss to that rotation That definitely set them back a little bit But uh, you know Griffin Canning Is gonna hopefully take a step forward for them um, But yeah well, they, they Pitching need- this year yeah, they they still need one more though. Will least. Wilson,
0: sorry, Ty. Will Wilson was the first rounder that was traded. Okay. With him, so, but yeah, that that rotation is, uh, yeah, scary to say the least. You're you're not yeah. excited to see it. But um, I know you had said that when they made that trade, you thought that to free up that room that that was going to bring Cole in, and it turned out that it actually just made their offense even better. And I just I think the need was pitching, not on their infield, to be honest. I agree. Uh, I agree with that. I think that was just like what they could get. So now it's like La Trout, Rendon, Otani, Upton, um, Adele, Adele will be there this year. Yeah. At some point Adele. So uh, I don't know who, if he's going to like Brian Goodwin is penciled in right now yeah. as, as a right fielder. So that could easily be Adele. Then you've got Anderton Simmons, David Fletcher, who's great. Cause he's a walk guy. He's a contact guy. Um, and then Pujols is listed as being on their bench. So, but, Yeah, the so the rotation <laughs> this is this is a really rough looking rotation. Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Griffin Canning, uh, Patrick Sandoval, uh, I think it's Jaime Buria, and then Otani. So they've got the six guys listed. So I'm not excited about that today because, as we talked about before, when Bundy went, that's not the best acquisition, but it's a guy. Um, I, I see, I disagree.
2: I, I like Bundy, yeah, yeah, you, do, you don't like Bundy, I, I like Bundy like a Bundy. lot in LA. I, I think a change of scenery, uh, similar to, you know, what we talked about with Cole going to Houston. I think you're going to see Bundy take a step forward here. Um, I'm, I'm
0: buying Bundy. If anyone wants to sell him, please contact me. Um, <laughs> I will take him off your hands. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I agree that like Cole would have fit well, but we could say that about all the teams. So, um, anyway, to try to keep moving on here, uh, Noma Mazara. Uh, went from the Rangers to the White Sox for Steely Walker, who's kind of a, I guess ceiling would be he's an everyday MLB player, but not necessarily a fantasy impact guy. So I know Mazzara is only twenty-four because I think you sent you sent him birthday cards, right? Because you love the guy that much.
2: I absolutely love Mazara. I think this is highway robbery, and Rick Hahn has made a mockery of trading with teams the last couple of years. Like he is just stealing people. <laughs> and or stealing people stealing can I use, people? That? Can I use that joke I like uh that. the reality is though like I, I don't think that there's any risk in this trade right because yeah. if you look at what the White Sox have in their outfield um between uh Jimenez and Robert coming there's not a ton of risk to give up a guy like Steely Walker at this point so Mazzara coming in who his peripheral numbers are in my opinion project him to be better than he has. And we've talked about it previously that doesn't have protection in Texas. So uh, you give him some protection that he's going to have with Grandal and Abreu uh, Anderson leading off on base. Like all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's going to be a huge scenario and he's got a ton of control left on his contract. So, you know, three years remaining, it's, it's a no brainer for the White Sox to bring him in. I think this is an excellent move, left-handed stick. And frankly, I just wish Toronto would have done it.
0: Yeah like Mazar is just one of those guys who you want to see more from, but at the same time as his, as his career continues and you just see what he is producing, it's perfectly fine. So he's a good guy to plug into your lineup. Doesn't hurt you Uh, right now. He's slated in a six in uh, Chicago, but I mean, again, we're off season here. There's lots of potential movement to go around. Um, A couple guys, not moving Jan Gomes and Howie Kendrick returning to Washington. So they are trying to keep the band together. there. Uh, Adam Jones goes to Japan for a two-year deal with a third-year option. Um, interesting that he went there. I think maybe he was a little annoyed last year with how long things took for him to be able to get in somewhere. And he's he's still a fine, fine player, but he's going to go make himself some money and uh, get to see another country. Twins signed Alex Avila, which I wanted to note because that basically means Mitch Garver is now the everyday catcher and Alex Avila will be relied upon in spot starts, maybe getting 20 to 30% of the at-bats, which really frees it up for Garver to come into his own. Um, yep. Hap is apparently on the block for the Yankees to go anywhere with ideal landing spots. Obviously Houston, we already mentioned the angels, um, San Francisco, a big ballpark for him, Minnesota a team looking to compete, San Diego could use them. And I put Colorado for everything pitching because why not? <laughs> um tanner roark went to the jays two years 24 million perfect kind of starting pitcher roster filler guy allows them to um hold at least one of the younger potential starting pitchers back Um, i just like it because we have one starting pitcher now yeah that's right well two (laughs) two if you want to count um was it Shoemaker? Andy, Shoemaker and no, who's the third? The, Chase Anderson. Chase Anderson, thank you. So, so if potentially, two and a half. yeah, potential. <laughs> and then we'll see what see what can come from the starts from there. But at least there's a guy, right? Uh, Walker to the Mets. I think that was one year, three million. So you can see how how he has fallen. Uh, trying into the Dodgers, very interesting one. One year, ten million bucks. I think this is what you had said, Ty, that he would go somewhere where he could make an impact. Um, the the one year deal, ten million. That's that's saying something, and. It also makes it kind of interesting to think that L.A. was willing to spend $10 million when his ARB number would have been less. Well, and I think this is, you know, what what was the one that uh, somebody signed a
2: one-year deal earlier, too? Oh, uh, Cole Hamels. We talked about this before. Right, one-year, $18 million. Uh, So I think you're going to see more of this, too, where teams are buying uh, flexibility, right? So they They overpay on one year rather than pay for multiple, right. Houlos has done it for years in in Atlanta. Um, and I think that's all this is because I think they're still a little unsure about what they have with uh, what's his face out there?
0: Kelly um, Jansen That's the one, yeah, yeah, because he's got he's got injury issues. He blew he pitched really well last year, but when he didn't, it was a blown save. So the numbers and the blown saves and things don't look too great. Um, somebody who did do a really good job last year prior to getting hurt was uh, Oberg in Colorado, and he was, Scott Oberg, he was extended this year. I think he'll pitch this year at 30. Um, He was a drafted guy. How old is, yeah, he will be 30. Um, He was extended, so that kind of helps as Wade Davis has clearly gone down the depth charts uh, in the bullpen in Colorado, and then you've got Brian Shaw and Wade Davis. You know, they just, they need guys that can get big Ks in Colorado so uh, an interesting one especially for a lot of fantasy owners here is Jose Peraza to Boston who need a second baseman assuming uh, your boy Chavis is going to move around a little bit uh, he didn't exactly cement himself into a position last year and I mean maybe they see him as a first baseman too uh, but Peraza coming in is a really interesting move in my opinion he can offer a lot of drool worthy talent but again, we have all suffered as fantasy owners who have had him. And I know that there's one, one guy in particular who owns him in a contract league that is desperate to get rid of the contract because they do not believe in somebody who can give you less than two points per game as a viable option. So uh, any thoughts on Peraza here? Is this noteworthy? Um, I think there's a chance for him to rebuild his value kind
2: of like trying in. Uh, I'm really curious to where that fits for the Red Sox. I mean, uh, the reality here is, you know, they've got Petroia, Pedroia slotted as their one uh, yeah, think, at two base, and I it just that's risky. I
0: think, think Pedroia well, is just
2: done. Well, no, he's made it clear he wants to play, uh, and I think if he does play, he could be relevant. I just don't know that he'll play. I mean, for me, the, Michael Chavis at, at first base is not the, the right move for the Red Sox. Um, why you would allow Rafael Devers to make a mockery of defense at third.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the only one who's supposed to crap on Devers, all right? <laughs> well, then go for it. Insert crap here. So, <laughs> I ha- actually have a good burn already written in for further down, so I wanted to save it a bit. But, but yeah, whoever is the best third baseman for Um, the Red Sox, whether that's Devers or Chavis, uh, you know, whatever they, they have Sam Travis and uh, Chavis is penciled in as the first baseman right now. So New York, at least, or sorry, Boston at least has some options when they go up against the New Yorks of the world, but like the Yankees also don't have a great first base option. So maybe teams are deciding that a first base DH, I don't want to say punt position because the Red Sox have Martinez, but if they're not, going to try to create a first baseman or sorry sign a first baseman maybe they're going to try to create one and i don't think that it's a terrible idea to leave devers at third his defensive numbers did improve last year but again for stretches of the season um he was really bad but at stretches of the season some other guys have been bad so I, chavis also broke in really really well as did a bunch of guys last year and then came out i can easily see peraza kind of needling his way into like 350 at bats and maybe being a guy that comes in late in games to try to steal that base. And maybe he's a more valuable asset on a stronger team than he would be if he was on a team that's like a Kansas city. That's, you know, just going to let him go out and play every day. And he's going to keep making those mistakes over and over and over again. So I think they brought Peraza in for the utility guy. I think he's going to
2: spell off the outfield a little bit too. Um, I think that's just a reality. Uh, I I think overall Boston's pretty looking pretty good assuming that uh, their bullpen continues to overachieve and their rotation doesn't continue to underachieve but I I think people are sleeping on Boston right now not recognizing that they just had a horrid start last year I think Boston's going to be very very good and probably make a run again
0: this year yeah the everybody forgets about how important April is because you can't make those games up in August and September. So yep. an interesting one here that I, I mean, I know we briefly talked, I think before about the potential. So I'm going to try to say this and I apologize for my pronunciation. Yoshito to who signed with Tampa <laughs> Bay. And I'm going to need to hear somebody say, I actually tried to look at video and I can't, there's no English speaking people that have said it yet. I'm sure it was on MLB.com, but I haven't, or TV, but I haven't, uh, got that a left-handed hitting DH possible left field, uh, option for them. He's 28 years old. I think he'll start the year about 28 and a half and two year deal really helps them with some more power, but they've got Man Choi who is a similar hitter, but less power. So I think this is good for Tampa. It just makes them a better team overall. Um, it also helps them to get a better bench because if they have him as a DH or a left field option, their outfield looks pretty nice with Meadows, Kiermeyer, and Hunter Renfro. Now, so now they've got a lot more power. Like, there's what is it? They're three, four, sorry, they're four, five, six. Are Choi, Renfro, and Sue Sugo?
2: <laughs> I got to work on that.
0: I think it's Susugo. I'm Susugo? pretty sure that's how okay. it's. Yeah,
2: Susugo. I, I I do on a quick Hunter Renfro. note. I think he's going to get destroyed in the American League um we'll just pick him away with off speed or i just i think he's gonna get roasted i'm gonna leave it there um let's let's dive in today and finish up with our our real topic of what we wanted to get into um now that we've kind of ripped through what's happening in the mlb uh rule five happened this week in san diego as part of the winter meetings and there was what was the total 11 guys were taken this year
0: yeah i did and make a mistake Sorry, Ty, i did make a mistake the last time when we talked about the rule five and i'd asked you how many were drafted and i think you said a dozen and it was actually 40 something that included all the minor league guys which i did not realize that had separated it on the website i was um, doing the research on so mlb guys 11 taken there are minor league guys but they are not of note on this right and and so you know we were talking about it before
2: we jumped on here today the thing that i do not get is if you're a bad team why nobody is burying a roster spot i just don't get it doesn't make any sense to me there was some really good talent available in this draft that went untouched and i don't necessarily agree with it um but let's let's dive in that's my opinion i'm also a very patient owner in everything so the takeaway from the rule five is that these guys are guys that can impact the team in a shorter term. I don't think there's anybody in this list that had long-term huge success upside in my opinion. Um, you might disagree, but that's kind of how I feel.
0: Uh Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the area where you're trying to find somebody who's MLB ready that, their own organization does not feel is because they didn't protect them on the 40 man roster. So the first guy to go was uh, to the Tigers right-handed pitcher, Ronnie Garcia. Uh, Garcia was in a really good 2016 international class and really good meaning for the Yankees because they also picked up Luis Medina and Debbie Garcia and Medina, I think finished last year at high a and Garcia at triple a. So Ronnie Garcia, um, what was it? 2019 double a four 40 era, a K per inning, 105 innings. He's a fastball breaking ball combo guy. Got a low arm slot, um, should get to start in Detroit, but I think he would get moved to the bullpen and maybe he long term as a bullpen guy, but for Detroit, why not? Like, I guess this was the guy I know you were thinking it was going to be more hitter friendly. Um, but as we will go through the list here, you'll see how few hitters were actually taken, uh, Garcia I guess is somebody that Detroit must see as a big arm guy and uh the arm slot probably is helping to make him a little more deceptive. Well, I mean, here's the thing, like if you're Detroit, like you have nobody
2: in the the form of high-end prospects like on on the offensive side, right? Yeah. I just don't I don't get the decision. Uh, that's all. I I think adding a guy like Wander Javier would have been a much better move. Uh it also would have hurt your division rival right so I think there's a ton of value to it instead Wander Javier is going to go out the door at the trade deadline for a starting pitcher right it's gonna be you know the reality of of what happens in Minnesota uh, I just don't understand it um, I think there was a lot of reasons for where Detroit's at right now to bury a guy like Wander Javier uh, but that's just my opinion and I guess teams see it differently and that's fine. They're certainly allowed to, but uh, I do, I do like this guy. Um, I, I like his, his mechanics. that are kind of funky a little bit, but I, I think, you know, your, your analysis is bang on. I do think he's going to be a bullpen guy. Um, you know, it just gives them the ability to not have to use him every day, but at the end of the day, uh, Detroit certainly has to fill some starter role and, and this guy could be that guy.
0: Yeah. Long-term they certainly have five guys in their system that, any MLB team would be happy to have. Um, But for this year, like (laughs) when you're looking at Daniel Norris, Matt Boyd is fine, but you know, Daniel Norris, Matt Boyd Zimmerman, Spencer Turnbull and Tyler Alexander. You can easily see how you might want to slide somebody else in there and Detroit's not going to, in know, likelihood not going to go out and spend the money. So here was a way for them to get potentially somebody that can maybe give them a dozen stars if they need it this year. Um, but otherwise I think he just slots into the bullpen and they're working with him, and they're probably trying to really amp up his stuff. Everybody seems to say now that no matter how hard you pitch, if you're a starter, when you go into the bullpen, you should be able to tick up a few miles per hour. And maybe that's what they're really thinking for them. So the second guy taken uh, by the Orioles was Brandon Bailey, Uh, former Astro and the new Oriole GM, Mike Ellis knows Bailey from Houston. Uh, He's a shorter righty, strong fastball, quality changeup curveball, high K guy, also a high walk guy, which, you know, hand in hand with some of these rule five guys and more than likely just straight to the bullpen. And I really want to know who Baltimore's bullpen coach is and if they're good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah well I, I mean these guys are always just a hit miss i mean second second guy gone here um and and i think these are the kind of guys uh, what was the guy that toronto had the little short guy uh, uh oh jason remember? frazier no i mean like that's an a, mlb guy or yeah it was more recent but that's a good comparable is jason frazier um i i think those guys have a place in a bullpen because i think you know, they're they're the guys that generally fall into this category because they get overlooked as a starter, right? Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah, because of their size, right? And and you know, there's very few Marcus Strowmans out there. And, yeah, and from
0: day one, Strowman was getting crapped on, even by the Toronto media, saying he's going to be a bullpen guy long term. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And that's and why proven- Hart doesn't measure height or height doesn't measure heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think both statements are true. I don't think heart measures height either. <laughs> yeah. Technically. Yeah. If you get a ruler involved, uh, no, but I totally agree with you, Ty. Like this is a guy who, uh, you know, should be good. Now, the, the big thing here, he's got to find the strike zone, yes. you know, as we go through the list, which is a short list. That's the issue for a lot of these guys. And obviously that's the risk that some of these teams were willing to take. Um, You you see a guy like Brandon Bailey and you're like, oh, good case. And you look at the walks, you're like, oh, crap. Well, maybe they can sort that out. Maybe that's the secondary stuff. Maybe the curveball is not as deceptive. So it's not as out pitch right now. So maybe that's what they'll work on. And we always hear in spring training how MLB players, pitchers are working on new pitches and they throw them away before the season starts. Well, maybe for Brandon Bailey, his spring training or his offseason regime is going to rely heavily on turning him into a fastball curveball guy versus a fastball changeup guy who has a curveball like well and and maybe we should and maybe we should just rename this the cpg
2: draft um it's just the control problem guys draft um because that seems (laughs) to be you know the the growing trend it's just the high velo crazy stuff kind of guys that every team thinks they can do better than the other team um
0: yeah, it's almost a showcase, right? A showcase of how your MLB staff can take uh somebody that you didn't care enough to protect and make them into a viable MLB player.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, moving on, this was a guy that we highlighted in our Rule 5 preview. Uh it's a guy that I think I was very very high on. I liked him a lot. Um, I don't know where you stood on him. I can't recall off the top of my head, but um, you know, really Kind of crazy delivery uh, with Sterling Sharp, huge leg kick. Um, this is a guy that I thought was going to go for for good reason. There's just there's a lot here. Great stuff. I, I do think he'll stick in the bullpen, uh, assuming control problems don't come out of nowhere. Um, but but I think he's going to be a really nice pickup for the Marlins who are rebuilding um, under the Derek Jeter regime. Uh, I think this is a nice steal, and I and I can't imagine. The nationals
0: are too excited about this one. Yeah. It must be nice to be the Marlins and take a national, take somebody from your division that you think is good. So sharps, uh, as you said, Ty, he's a a tall, wiry, righty, unique delivery, missed a lot of time in 19 with an injury. So we kind of fell down all of the um, depth charts within the nationals, but we did discuss him. He's the only guy we discussed with our 33 or 34 guys that was, that were, were picked. So more of a ground ball guy like a Keuchel, Stroman type than he's going to be a high K guy. Um, I think he had amongst the highest ground ball rates the last two years in minor league baseball. He'll get a shot in Miami's bullpen for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm noted here that I feel like with some good coaching, um, you could bank on Sharp to be deep league worthy stash or throw in in any of your offseason trades. So you happen to see that you know, you're trying to get player A and B and you see that they've got Sharp in their minor league system. Why not go ahead and say I throw him in, too, because he's going to play in Major League Baseball this year if he makes Miami. Now, if he doesn't, that's fine. He's going back to the Nats, who could probably use him this year, too, at some point in time. So um, if you're looking for somebody who's going to hopefully be able to be a decent contributor in Miami and somebody who I can see ending up kind of in a seventh or eighth inning role, if he's able to induce ground balls in that Miami ballpark, he could be a useful player right out of the hop in 2020. Well, I actually think he has a
2: better better chance of sticking in the Nationals bullpen than he does in the Marlins. <laughs>
0: well, I just look at his ability to generate ground balls as his avenue to elevating himself from long relief. But the fact that he he started last year, you know, it's it's we'll see what happens. At least he was picked. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at least at least he's going to get a shot. So
2: yep. And let, moving on to another uh, right-handed former high-end pick, uh,
0: Stephen Woods Jr. Drafted uh, three times. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. Like you, I oh, mean, sorry, says, sorry. he's twice. The, there's another guy who was drafted three times. Sorry,
2: twice. Yeah. But I mean, re- regardless, anybody that's drafted twice is betting on themselves. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. He, it didn't go the right way for him. Uh, no. He was picked sixth in, or in sixth the sixth round, round by yeah. Tampa Bay in 2013. And then again, in the, the eighth round by the Giants in 2016. Um, he went to Tampa Bay. Uh, who wanted him, obviously, um, after drafting him in the Longoria trade and missed a lot of 2018, um, but kind of bounced back a little bit in in 2019 with a 1.88 ERA, 79Ks, and 8.2K per nine, which is a little low. Uh, Could be higher. You're kind of looking at him as a
0: Brad Keller type. And, and Keller is the most recent Royals success story from the Rule 5. And, um, yeah, like prior to Wood's injury, his K rate was well over 10. So he is a high K guy. And I, I couldn't find anything that said what that injury was that he missed 18 with. But it was the full season. So let's just assume a shoulder, you know, elbow Tommy Johnny, something or other. Um, and that's why. So maybe this was that first year where they come back and kind of reestablish themselves. But even though his K rate wasn't through the roof, his ERA being so low means he's controlling his pitches. He's not, you know, he's not letting guys whack the ball all over on him. So it's a, to me, it's a good pickup for the Royals. Definitely a bullpen guy. I can't imagine you would want to do much more than have him come in, in a mop up role after, Um, the game may be not out of hand, but the game may be a bit of a stretch so that he can come in and like, just work on his stuff and show himself, uh, and then see what the Royals can do with him from there. So I, I just don't
2: know where he fits in, um, in, in Tampa Bay's roster. Like
0: for me, this is, he's a Royal now. He's a Royal. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely mix that up. Sorry. Yeah. He Uh, was Tampa Bay and then Tampa or sorry, then uh, Kansas city picked him. Okay. Yeah. So he's bullpen, not a, not a starter, not a starter option. Like they've got Duffy Keller, Junis, Ma, what is it? Montgomery and uh, uh, Jorge Lopez. So he's going to slot right in to that final spot in the, uh, in the bullpen. But I mean, the bullpen in Kansas city is full of interesting stories. Like Kyle Zimmer was a top pick. Uh, Jesse Hahn, former, starter not of any real note but um steven woods it would be nice if they got themselves a couple of kind of uh been there done that i guess ian kennedy's in the bullpen just guys that could like help to coach along right they spend so much time in the bullpen with all of their teammates that it might be nice for a guy like that tim hill was in our, our rule five guy last year actually um so yeah there's yeah.
2: And I can't imagine that uh, Kansas City really wants to roll into the season with Mike Montgomery as their four. Um, he's he's pretty proven as a bullpen piece. I, not that there's anything wrong with Mike Montgomery. I just don't think he's what Kansas City wants to roll out there with every day. And, and maybe yeah. they feel differently. But, um, you know, I would imagine Lopez has to be in on the conversation here at some point. And they're uh,
0: realistically still two years away from all of those – um drafted guys coming up you know like just looking at the bubble for them it's Glenn Sparkman who had some starts last year uh, Eric Scoglin Forrest Griffin who I think is a former UFC fighter uh, <laughs> uh and then connor Green who was the big guy was he a real five no waivers waivers yeah but he he was a big guy in Toronto who was throwing high and hard and then he went in a trade with St. Louis he may have been part of the Gritchick deal uh, he was yeah. Okay. And and then I mean you've got Brady Singer who's at the cusp now, and you're going to start to see all those other guys: Bubik, Cower, um, Lynch, and that's that's the 2021, 22 look. So in the meantime, Kansas City is still doing the right thing and taking a chance because they're the type of org- organization that you know it's it's house money for them. So I like that idea. I like this pick. Speaking of well, Intel, no, so go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say my I, transition. I, I, <laughs> Sorry.
2: I, I think uh, I'm just, I got lost on Kansas City's depth chart here. Yep. They currently have Whit Merrifield at right field on MLB.com, yeah. yep. which um, pretty much tells me if Kansas City's putting him there, that they're going to move him. There's no way they're going to run Merrifield out as their right fielder.
0: He played so, a lot of right field last year. Yeah. And he doesn't belong out there. Like Nikki um, Lopez, they prefer Nikki Lopez at second base and Mondesi as shortstop than they do. Whit Merrifield is second baseman, and, no, I, and Merrifield's on I'm, a huge, like, con, like friendly con, team-friendly contract. Uh, but that's yeah, that's exactly it. I like it, it's I, weird, I, right?
2: I, I don't know how they don't trade him though. Like where he's at age-wise and where that team's at. Like, how yeah. do you not trade Whit Merrifield? Uh, it's it's a huge mistake if
0: they don't do it. Ala Josh Donaldson in Toronto. Yeah, his deal three years left, I think, after with this season. Something like it was a it was a four year. I feel like it was a four year deal. For him but um yeah i mean he's a good player like merrifield himself last year and tons 680 at bats 16 dingers 74 rbis 105 runs 20 stolen bases 302 average ops uh 811 like that is a damn good baseball player and on a weak team which is why the runs were high and the rbis were so low because nobody yep. was getting him in but well, last in the, year
2: in the other part though like trading to another ballpark power numbers will go up too
0: yeah, Kansas City is a tough park. So here's the thing. They moved Merrifield around a lot last year. Five games at first base, 82 at second, four in left, 17 in center, 61 in right field, and he DHA times. So he was in the lineup every day, and they obviously felt confident moving him around. So maybe his value in Kansas City is as the guy who's going to hit every day in whatever slot he's in the lineup, two, three, four, and play. It's just a matter of where is he going to play, but it's, it's kind of crappy for fantasy owners that he got so close to having eligibility in center field, three away, uh, and he didn't get it because that would have been huge just to be able to move a good bat around. Uh, center field is often a position of struggle for fantasy owners his, to get. His va- yeah, his value to Kansas City is turning into three players. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry, it just is what it is. Well, and and Kansas City's first base wasn't so great last year. If it wasn't for Hunter Dozier, even coming out of nowhere. But anywho, off topic, uh, the sixth slot. So the Blue Jays were at five. We had high hopes of the Blue Jays picking a few different guys. They passed. um, And then uh, Johan Ramirez went to the Mariners from the Astros. So DePoto picking apart some spin rate guy. Uh, Wonky delivery high walks and double a so 52 walks in 62 innings. Ugh. So it's DePoto's pick. So let's just all calm down and see how spring training goes and maybe he's a buy low guy uh, if he's pitching well. Depending on your league format, he's probably going to be on waivers, probably not drafted anywhere. Um yeah, this is this is certainly a wait and see guy. I just got to assume that the Mariners have something very specific lined up for him to do to correct the walk issues. I don't know if it's, you know, some kind of like driveline thing where they just want to see if he can just assert some velocity and throw it straight. And maybe he's got a lot of movement on the fastball, but it's a, yeah, it was an interesting pick for sure. I I thought that um, they were going to take the Dodgers. Oh my goodness. What's his uh, Bishop um, or whoever the guy was that the Dodgers had that was available. That's a brother of a Mariner and they didn't. Sheffield. Sheffield. Thank you. Jordan
2: Sheffield. Jordan. Yeah. I'm shocked. Jordan Sheffield didn't go.
0: Yeah, I, I guess teams just must be very specific with the guy they're going to take. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's then- weird
2: to me. Like him and Wandis and Charles from Oakland are the two guys that I, I thought were near locks to go. Um, and, and they didn't. Neither of them did. It's surprising. I, I think Wandis and Charles is a guy that Oakland is laughing at people for not taking him right now.
0: And they must, yeah, they must be good with it because the the Athletics did lose outfielder Mark Payton, who now went to the Reds. So he was the oldest player selected. Payton's 28, headed to the best team in Major League Baseball for AAA players who are past the point of being a prospect, yet have breakout campaigns. Because last year, he had a 334, 400, 653 batty line with 30 dingers the previous year. And he was drafted. This is the guy who was drafted three times. Tres, draftitos. So he bet on himself several times, then became a Yankee finally, and did not do anything at any point in time spectacular in the Yankees organization. He had a year where he went from single A up to triple A, and that was his best year. I think his batting line, he was over over 200, over 380 on base, um, but then he didn't stabilize. So then he went back to double A and then had a double A, triple A year. Anyway, he caught on. Maybe it was the ball. Maybe something cool and exciting. Happened to him that he figured it out but I think that this might be the best thing to happen to Cincinnati since Votto wow that's Uh, bold
2: do you think it has anything to do with playing in the Pacific Coast League
0: (laughs) yeah he was (laughs) he he went he was in Vegas so uh, yeah Vegas is known for creating uh home run players but either way I just think it's an interesting thing that the Reds picked a guy who mashed when the Reds were promoting all of their players that were mashing last year so I mean, like we said before, this doesn't cost them anything. This is a good pick. This is what we wanted to see. We wanted to see teams just like pick a guy. So this is the first position player taken also. Um, I like it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do the rest of the offseason. And this is a guy who was kind of middling in the Yankees, then became an athletic, and it took off. Now, the ballpark absolutely is a factor in this but let's just kind of wait and see. I'm not putting him on any of my draft boards anywhere. I can't imagine he's owned, but he's just a wait-and-see guy. He might be a good waiver guy uh, if he finds himself getting playing time with the Reds.
2: Yep, I totally agree. Um, you know, I, I think – you know, the next pick, I, I'm starting to see a trend, and I think there's a bit of a vendetta here. Yeah for the I Jays taking Joe Biagini uh from the Giants a couple Even though years it's ago. a
0: new regime, it's still it must just be on the board in the GM's room. Like, make sure rule five, take a blue jay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, let's spend five hundred
2: K just to piss off the blue jays. I think that's that's kind of what what's going on here. Cause you know, we talked about this guy before because we were laughing about this a little, but I think the The reality here is it's just a guy that has a very low likelihood of sticking at the pros this season um the stuff's pretty good you know the numbers look good from uh you know the the measurement tools of velocity and release point and spin rate and all that fun stuff that you know the analytics teams are going through these days but i just don't think he's ready for the pros yet um similar to um Went to Texas last year, Jordan Romano.
0: Yeah, um, well, Romano I, went wherever. Ended up in Texas, Rangers. No, oh, he went to the Rangers straight up. He was, he was traded the, last year. Some no, anyway, he, he was in the Rule Five pick. Yeah, yeah, he was. But I was some one of the Rule Five. Like Romano got traded from whatever team selected him to another team. And if it was the Rangers, he ended, he ended up, up in Texas. Like, yeah, 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 he definitely
2: ended up with Texas. Uh, so you know, I think this is he would be a really good comparable to Romano. And so I, I just think it's a scenario where you know, for the same reasons he didn't, Romano
0: didn't stick. I, I just don't think Jimenez is there yet. Yeah. And Travis Bergen was the guy that went from the giants to the Jays last year. And it's basically the same thing. Bergen all of a sudden had a bunch of K's, although that was a triple a out of the pen. Um, Jimenez, Danny Jimenez, right-handed pitcher, 93 K's, 59 innings in uh, high double a good delivery, as you said, but this is, this is something that is a very little note. I think at the end of the day, he's one of the least impactful guys especially going to san diego because we saw what happened last year with bergen where he sat in the bullpen for a lot of the season didn't get to play didn't get to play and then eventually got sent back to toronto so um next is our second um uh hitter uh, infielder v- Vimal machine he's a machine he is a machine he went to <laughs> philadelphia and then was traded to oakland um, but his original team before the rule five was the cubs So he's a big walk guy, 300 plus average the last two seasons, uh, plenty of doubles and mobile around the infield. uh, And then Oakland, who lost um, the Payton, their outfielder, uh, they got a guy on the other end who has very little power, but a a very good hitter. um, Good guy to be on the 26 roster. This is again, this is what we want to see. Teams just like taking a guy that could help and Oakland is Good at finding these guys, like the interesting guys that nobody cares about. Who, end of the day, help the team win. Well, this is a Brad Pitt. What do you got to do? Get on base, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's
2: this guy, mm-hmm. right? So what does you know, he I do? Think,
0: gets on base.
2: <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. So I, I do think there's something there. Uh, I don't. Again, I mean, it is this is the tough part, and this is the thing that I've I struggle with with the Rule Five. Like, if you're gonna take a guy like this, right, and you're gonna put him on your roster potentially. You can't possibly tell me this guy's better than Wander Javier right now. I just don't buy it.
0: Fair point. I think I think for this they're probably counting on the fact that maybe they can have him on and he can hit. Like he could produce whereas Wander Javier has been a little up and down and in injuries and things like that. So this is somebody that maybe Oakland's thinking is worth it. Um and again if they return him, I think they lose 50 grand when the deal's all done. So they they're investing 500. something. 500 I thought it was a thousand if they took the player, and nope. fifty thousand if they returned them.
2: No, nope, they've got a. It's it's five hundred. That's a lot. Um, that
0: no, it can't be because that's what you would pay any MLB rookie, and you wouldn't pay any MLB rookie. I don't. I don't
2: think they pay them anything if they keep them. I can't remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. I if you that, you don't pay the team, but I'm saying to take the player, I think you pay the MLB team that you take him from a hundred thousand dollars, because the player himself is going to earn MLB minimum at five something. Anyway, the next guy up is right-handed pitcher Trevor Miguel, who is a former Padre, now a Cub. He's huge, six, eight, right-handed pitcher, fastball slider, got the high spin rate, good shot at sticking if he can hit the strike zone. That's his problem. How many times do we have to talk about real five dudes and hitting the strike zone? Um, the Cubs bullpen could just use more guys that can get strikes. So yep. here we go. Yep, I, I don't disagree. Um, kind of
2: jumping ahead again, uh, Jonathan Aruz. Is that how you would say that one? I think it's uh, A ruse. Aruz. He apparently Aruz the Red Sox as they acquired him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's he, his big note in his career is he was part of the Ken Giles trade uh, when he went from Philly to Houston. Um, you know, I think, you know, a 21-year-old kid with some middle infield uh, you know, you you think he could be a Peraza platoon piece? I I don't know about that. I mean, they Red Sox are are weird with their middle infield guys. They always have been. You know, their 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 pipeline has always been buy a buy ten international yeah. infield prospects, sell seven of them for pitching, um, <laughs> and then have a Xander Bogarts come out on the other side. Uh, they've done it for years. It's kind of their development model. Um, this fit, this is a weird fit for me. I don't, I don't really know what to think about this one. Um, he a hundred percent could be a cheap depth piece until Pedroia is healthy, um, which is an interesting move, which, uh, if you're an owner of a ruse, then you probably want to flip him before Pedroia gets back. Cause in all likelihood, he's probably headed back to the minor leagues after that.
0: Yeah, this is more than likely his peak value if anybody does own him in a deep dynasty where now you can say, look, this guy's going to be on a roster. So he could be of use um, if you're set up in a contracts league where you can have a guy on a first who goes up and down from your minors all year. Uh, I know CBS has it set up that as soon as guys are on 25-man or 26-man rosters, they can no longer be put in the minor slot, which would mean he's a he's a detriment to your roster now, whereas before he was maybe somebody that could be an asset. So I just think, on the real baseball side of this, this this is a questionable pick for the Red Sox who are a team who should easily have been taking some kind of RP of use. But the final pick, which was the second pick for the Orioles 32nd overall was Michael Rucker, another cub taken um, over a nine K per nine in 80 innings and 19. And in 132 innings, he was just under that in 2018. Um, Not a good whip in 19 at triple a, if you're Baltimore, he's worth a shot. His whip has been lower at double A than triple A. Uh, he got into some better hitters maybe or whatever happened with the ball. It's worth a shot, right? We've talked about this before, and which is also why I mentioned I'd like to see who the Orioles' bullpen coach is because that's the guy who's got all the weight on his shoulders with these two Rule 5 guys.
2: Uh, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I think this is, this is an interesting pick for the Orioles. I mean, this is a guy that you know could start this season. Um, and I think ultimately, uh, the Orioles have lots of room to be flexible right now, especially in their rotation. Cause, um, you know, we talked about some other rotations, not being good. Uh, this, this is the champion of not good rotations in Baltimore. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a hitter in the AL East, you gotta be licking your chops to go
0: to Baltimore these days. It would be hilarious if both of these Rule Five guys were in the starting rotation because neither of them should be. But it would just be funny if like Baltimore's like, we really don't care. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, it's true. Yeah, they're just like Rucker, get in there. Uh, Bailey, get in there. You you know I'm Brandon Bailey, not Homer Bailey, right? Get in there, (laughs) Bailey. You're the SP (laughs) four. Okay, coach. Yeah, just picture their
2: front office like looking at their list of guys that are invited to spring training, and then you know, the major league line, this guy's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally major league,
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's like that's the sad state when teams are not incentivized to be competitive that it happens, you know. Like, um, we'll get into all the like logistics of crap later. This is just like a fun little thing with the rule five guys, but yeah, you can really see how. Some teams, like we were both really hopeful that teams would be taking a shot to fill the 26th spot through this. And we didn't see it. 10 teams made picks, uh, one team made two. And from this, we might have, I don't know, let's say best case scenario is in total from all these guys, 200 at bats in, this year and 20 starts. You know, like yeah. it's, it's going to be rough. A lot of guys are going to get sent back. But again, this is why you do this because it's low risk. You know, it's yes. it's just money and it's a small amount.
2: Success is not being sent back to the minor leagues.
0: Uh, yeah. For the players, it's earning, as I now know, it's earning 40,000 bucks every two weeks. That's success yep. for these players It's getting an MLB paycheck every two weeks. That's right. So that's enough of the rule five for us. And next episode, we are going to go back to the minors. For the one tool wonders, the guys that you want to start to look at based on your league. If you are a categories league, this will be mighty important for you. Uh, And if you are in a points league, you're going to want to look at the guys that could help you the most with that single tool that they have. This is going to be pitchers, hitters, all of it. Yep. Awesome. And we look forward to that next week
2: on
1: Dinger's